It's Amy's Table, a girl's guide to living with Amy Tobin on Q102. Pull up a chair and join us. Nikki Signet had not so much as peeled a potato until her early 20s when almost by accident she discovered that she loved cooking. Much as she enjoys oat cuisine, she's not as likely to reproduce it at home, preferring to experiment with recipes from domestic kitchens abroad. Her background is in marketing, specializing in food and drink, and she's worked with many famous brands of confectionery, snacks, baby food, condiments, dairy products, hard liquors, and soft drinks. And since 2010, she's written a weekly column on food combinations for the Times. Her first book, The Flavor Thesaurus, was published in 2010 and won several awards. And she's joining me on Amy's Table today to talk about her latest book. It's called Lateral Cooking. Nikki, thank Thank you for joining me on Amy's Table. Thank you for inviting me. Well, you know, I'm so interested. First of all, I love the co- cover. It's it's The words are lateral, lateral cooking, but the little small statement at the bottom that is so powerful, one dish leads to another. So tell me, what when was the day you thought, hmm, I've got an idea for a book, and what inspired it? Well, I'd like to say that it was, uh, a bit earlier on in the process than than it was, but in fact, actually, what happened was I was writing uh, my first book called The Flavor Thesaurus, which is um, an examination of flavor pairings, uh, and I had to test lots of different flavor combinations together. So, uh, what I discovered then was I needed a book of of kind of basic recipes that could then be flavored any which way, and when I went to find one it didn't exist so I started just writing copious amounts of notes as I went through my recipe testing Uh, and then towards the end of writing the flavor thesaurus I thought "Mm, these notes are really I'm using them a lot and I think they're really useful and I wonder if other people will and so I started working on the book that became lateral cooking but at the time it was a book about as I say just about sort of flavoring kitchen basics what happened though was because in order to put those notes together you have to examine thousands of recipes basically and what happened was I started to see the patterns that underpinned so many dishes from across the world and in fact as I started then if I'd pick up a Sunday paper and it would have recipes in it I'd start to read that recipe and say well you know what family is that from and what kind of branch of that family is that and start to put things into groups and that really is when this book this book took shape this is when lateral cooking one dish to another leads to another took shape because the the backbone of this book is dividing loads and loads and loads of recipes into 12 different groups and then kind of plotting them in relation to each other. So you end up with this sprawling, fascinating, highly delicious genealogy of dishes. I I love this. So what I also love is I feel like your two books together are a really good companion because of course once you've got people understanding the 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 nature of great flavor pairings and they understand how one dish leads to another they can be so much more free you know using both the information from both of these books i just see them as such a great i'm sure of course you did too that was no accident but i i love how they must work together yeah, so I mean, they, the one kind of takes things from the ingredient point of view, and the other, I suppose, is much more about um, methods right. in a way. So it's like, 
you know, what goes with what and then what to do with them. So we all like to cook from recipes. We all love recipe books. But in these waste-conscious days, and I think also because there's a lot more interest in create the creative side of cookery, then we want to be able to kind of explore our own, you know, our own tastes and make things up and try different things. And I think you said you, you know, you've learned to be, you became an intuitive cook almost immediately. Whereas I think for people, a lot of people of my generation and certainly the generations coming up, if you learn to cook from cookbooks, you learn to be, you, you become a rigid person mm-hmm. because you're used to following like one, two, three, four, five. Uh, and I'd always wanted to be like one of those Italian nonnas who cooked everything kind of by instinct. In fact, like my own grandmother. But I also want to be the kind of cook that cooks Mexican food and Indian food and a bit of Ethiopian and a bit of Thai and all that kind of thing. And it's very hard to be an intuitive cook if you want to do lots of different things, it's hard to learn everything. So it's really when, like by putting things into family trees and saying, well, actually, if you learn to do this one thing and then you just tweak it, you make this thing and this thing. And by seeing these relations, it's when I started to say, actually, I can make pretty much everything from scratch without a recourse to a recipe. So, uh, you know, you can, it's always quite a funny thing to say, oh, this is about being an intuitive cook. People say, well, how can you learn to be intuitive? And the answer, of course, is in music, that you have to learn to play the notes in order to learn to or become an improviser. Exactly. So, you have to have the foundation or you're not going to get there. But I, I, I love the, the freedom that some of these ideas can offer someone who has practiced. Yes. And even if you're, I think even if you are, if you say like you and you are quite intuitive and you are quite used to just kind of like tugging down a bowl and getting on with it, you're always in need of a bit of inspiration. Because if you look at kind of a lot of these recipe books, because they now have one super duper color photograph and one recipe, it's quite a sort of closed thing. And if you don't fancy it, that's not, you know, that's not what you're going to do. It's much more interesting, I think, to open a book, start reading about what people eat here, what they try there, you know, who try, who eats potatoes with lemon, who eats potatoes with this aromatic or, you know, or with lemongrass and stuff and let, and let your mind wander to, you know, wherever it takes you. And if you, you know, if people are just giving you the answers then you don't have that opportunity to imagine quite so much. And so the flavor thesaurus and lateral cooking don't have any color photographs in them. They are, they are, you know, aids to imagination, which is, I think, why you get a lot of chefs who like these books as well, because they just help them dream a bit. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, you mentioned that there are the 12 groups, and, and I flipped open the book to the stock, soup, and stew group. And I'm wondering, you know, I think, for example, in the United States, we all, it's hard to find someone who doesn't love chicken noodle soup. <laughs> Is that a tradition in virtually every culture? Is there is there a food culture in your um, you know investigation that doesn't find like are there universal things that you, every culture loves it? Well, I think whether it's I, I suppose this is what makes it interesting. It's like I chose chicken because I think it's the stock that most people make most often because we roast you know most of us roast 
a chicken in mm-hmm. this country, in your country. Uh, you know, obviously it comes from a, a, a Jewish tradition as well. So you will find it everywhere. If you, you know, move around the world and you'll find that the flavor that goes into that stock might change or it's like the principal one. So if it's, you know, if you go to China, it's going to be, there's going to be a lot more pork stock uh, or there might be a mixture of pork and chicken or a mixture of pork and seafood. Um, there are other countries where a beef stock will be the more kind of fundamental thing because there are more beef, bone, beef bones around. And then... Obviously, there are a lot of people around the world that don't eat meat at all. So mm-hmm. you have um, perhaps, you know, a very interesting question. I always put these things to my readers like, are there enough good vegetable stocks? Because I don't know about you, but I find the standard vegetable stock made with a mirepoix, carrots, celery, and onion, a little bit sweet, a little bit boring. And I'm always interested in people that come up with like tweaks, to, you know, whether you put a bit of... Uh, we use yeast, yeast extract here to give a kind of richer, darker taste, or whether you maybe go down the route of um, the the roux that's used for a gumbo using vegetable oil and flour makes a fantastic um, vegan stock uh, because again, it's got some, it's got more of like a roasty flavour, like a traditional meat stock. Uh, and so I go into lots and lots of details about the different kind of stocks that you'll find all over the world. To, give you a kind of example of how to make them as related to the chicken, what other things you have to do. And then in the stock uh, flavors and variations section of the book, we're also looking at pea pod stock, which is used to make a famous Italian dish called Rizie Busy. And it's great. It's really lovely. It's really kind of, it's dark and deep and, and a little bit strange. Uh, and I talk about using vegetable peelings like butternut squash peelings to make stock because that's good too. So Yes, chicken stock big and important for us, but um, it's only you know it's the big, only the beginning of things. And of course, if you can make a really delicious noodle soup with chicken, uh, then there's the, the, the possibilities grow and multiply when you start right. thinking about uh, using other ingredients on top. Giving a combination of Nikki's book, lateral cooking, one dish leads to another, and the flavor thesaurus would be a really great pair as a a gift for a food lover or food curious person in your life. And Nikki, these are all really um, wonderful tips, and I'm so glad you could join us today. So where can we send people for more information about you and your books and what you're up to? Well, uh, if anyone's desperate to get hold of me, the place that I do look every day is probably Instagram. So I'm just at Nikki Segnet, and that's Nikki is spelled N-I-K-I, and Segnet is S-E-G-N-I-T. I have a website. I look at that less often these days. I have to be, uh, I have to be honest, <laughs> um, <laughs> mainly because you know Instagram is too quick and yeah. uh, and easy to answer anybody's questions. So they're the two places. I'm on Twitter. I'm the real Nikki Segnet, which sounds very self-aggrandizing. <laughs> I love it. Somebody, there you go. Somebody did something a bit mm, with my name, so, um, oh. so I am the at real Nikki segment and I do check in with that as well if anybody needs to get hold of me fantastic well Nikki thank you so much and again check out lateral cooking one dish leads to another by Nikki segment Nikki thank you so much for joining me today on Amy's table thank you very much for having me stick around for another helping from Amy's table on Q102 Q
With Black Friday savings at the Home Depot, you can get top brand laundry sets with the latest tech to tackle any mess you might face this holiday. Like automatic fabric and load size detection for spills of any size, from cookies and milk on your favorite holiday sweater, to the toddler of the house discovering just how fun cranberry sauce can be. Make more magic this holiday season. Let your new appliances handle the mess. Shop Black Friday savings and get up to 30% off, plus instantly save up to $750 on select LG laundry sets at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Offer valid November 2nd through 30th. U.S. only. See store or online for details. The Wendy's $3 breakfast deal is here. Get a bacon or sausage egg and Swiss croissant plus a small seasoned potatoes. That's a better breakfast for just three bucks in three easy steps. One, wake up. Two, get out of bed. And three, head to Wendy's for your $3 breakfast deal. Choose wisely. Choose Wendy's $3 breakfast deal. Limited time only. Participating U.S. Wendy's during breakfast hours. Select or request $3 breakfast deal in order to obtain discount. Not valid for all card or combos. Orders. Price and participation may vary in Alaska and Hawaii.